This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Black and white photography. What is the best way to do it? In camera or using a post-processing editor? Today, we are looking at this topic. This is the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam, and this is episode 235 for Thursday, March 24th, 2022. So different people will give you different answers to this question. And there is no, quote, right answer. But anytime you can do things in camera, it's considered the more ideal way to do it. If, like me, you're shooting Fujifilm X or GFX series cameras, this can be done either totally in camera by shooting JPEG and then choosing either the Acris or monochrome film simulations. And it is very quick and easy. However, if you are shooting Fujifilm, and you'd like more control, then you can shoot raw and then choose which of the two simulations you'd like better for a particular shot when you're post-processing in either Lightroom or Capture One. Other camera brands can make black and white images, but there is a catch. You have to shoot in JPEG only because if you shoot raw, the images will appear in black and white when viewing them in camera But once downloaded to your computer, they'll revert back to full color because RAW format records all details and pixels. And I've had students ask, what if I don't have or cannot afford editing software? Well, first of all, if you're a photography student, you should have editing software as part of your degree program. If you're doing photography as a hobbyist or amateur, You can afford Lightroom and Photoshop under the Adobe Creative Cloud program for photographers, which gives you both of these programs for a $10 monthly subscription. Now, shooting black and white in camera will give you beautiful black and white images. But since you are shooting JPEG, all extra data for your image will be discarded and gone forever. And you cannot get those pixels back. I and most professional photographers will tell you it's best to always shoot in RAW for the very best image quality and then convert them to black and white. This gives you the most creativity and best detail in your final image. Now, editing to black and white in, say, Lightroom, there are a couple of ways you can do it. You can use the black and white option under the development module. Or what I used to do is I would use the saturation tools and desaturate all the colors from the image and then tweak the contrast to create a more dynamic effect. You can also opt to download and install a Lightroom preset that is made for black and white, whether it's a free or a paid one. Now, for your viewing pleasure, in the show notes, I'm including seven of my own black and white images. Now, this first one is an environmental portrait of a man named Mike who owns a small diner in downtown Atlanta. 
just down the street from the Centennial Towers where I used to work at a web hosting, managed web hosting company. They're no longer in business, so it's beside the point. Uh, now, I decided to make the image in black and white as I felt the bright colors of the fountain soda machine behind him was just too distracting and would take too much away from the subject. The next image I have is of an old U.S. Army Deucen half truck that I shot at the Southeast Railway Museum in Duluth, Georgia. Now, I like this image in black and white because I love the contrast and how the trees in the background just pop with that extra contrast. The third image I've included in the show notes is of a man in downtown Atlanta playing his trumpet as he tips his hat to people passing by. For street photography, I've always preferred black and white, as I feel it makes the images look better and more of a documentary style. Now, I'm going to take a short break right here, and I will be right back. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com. And you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag. Hashtag Liam Photo Podcast. And now back to the show. Okay, so the fourth image I have in the show notes is of a young boy. He's about eight years old and he's peering in through the glass door at the Jersey Mike Subs in Monroe, Georgia. Now he was there for lunch with his grandmother. And to me, the black and white just made it more dramatic. It was a little boy looking through the window with his little Georgia Bulldogs t shirt on. And I captioned it, I want my Jersey mics. The fifth image is a metal padlock on one of the cabins at the New Echota Historical Society in Calhoun, Georgia. Now, I love visiting historical sites, and to me, they should generally always be captured in black and white. But maybe that's because I'm a big Civil War and World War II buff, and most of those images are in black and white anyways, because color film wasn't a thing yet, or at least not as much during World War II. The sixth image is one of my co-workers from my time at that web hosting company in Atlanta. His name is Scott Billups. He's a really great guy, and I enjoyed working with him quite a bit. I decided on black and white for this one, as again, I prefer black and white for both street photography and environmental portraits, as the subject is absolutely paramount in the image. Now, the last one that I'm including in the show notes is a piece of farm machinery sitting in a field just down the road from my home. It's just waiting for the new crop season to start. And I shot this one with my G, uh, Fujifilm X-T4 with the XF16-80 to lens. And then I used Fujifilm's Acris film simulation just because I like the contrast of the trees in the background. I just like the vintage look that it gives that piece of farm machinery. Now, in the other, the other reason why I did that with this particular shot was because this piece of farm machinery was red and yellow in color. 
but the red paint is severely sun faded. So to kind of hide those imperfections in the coloring, I just felt it would be, it would do it more justice to have it in black and white. Now, one of my favorite photographers since I was a young child has always been Ansel Adams. For many, when thinking about or viewing black and white nature photography, Ansel Adams immediately comes to mind. He's probably, as Levi Sims said a few weeks ago, the only truly world-famous photographer, someone that's a household name with even people that have absolutely nothing to do with the photo industry. Now, beginning in the early 1920s and spanning a career of the next 40-plus years, Adams photographed many of the natural areas that millions of us enjoy each year and that the majority of us as landscape photographers deeply appreciate, including the Sierra Nevada, the desert Southwest, as well as many of our national parks. Now, in direct defiance of the pictorialism movement of the mid-1920s, Ansel began photographing landscapes in a realistic way, using small apertures for sharp focus and greater depth of field, heightened the contrast and precise exposure. This type of photography had a direct influence on nature photography today. In 1941, the National Park Service commissioned Adams to photograph the parks. Ansel was also a founding member of the group F-64, uh, which was a group founded by 720th century San Francisco Bay Area photographers who shared a common photographic style, characterized by sharply focused and carefully framed images seen through a particularly Western or U.S. viewpoint. In part, they formed in opposition to the pictorial photographic style that had dominated much of the earliest 20th century. But moreover, they wanted to promote a new modernist aesthetic that was based on precisely exposed images of natural forms and found objects. The members of Group F-64, like Ansel, all preferred to shoot in black and white rather than color, as they all felt it was more realistic and natural than color. And they also created some of the most famous black and white landscapes in the world of photography. There are also nice third-party apps and plugins that you can use, and I've personally used quite a few of them over the years to get my images just the way I want them. The Nick Collection by DxO is one of my favorites and comes with a great black and white plugin called Silver Effects Pro 2. This software has a nice set of recipes for making different types of black and white images with varying looks, from high key to low key and heavy contrast, just to name a few. For any friends you have that are into photography and cannot afford Lightroom or Photoshop, there is a free open source photo editor called GIMP, which is available for Windows, Linux, and Mac OS. And you can find it at www.gimp.org. Now, GIMP is nice as it has pretty much all of the same capabilities as Photoshop, but there's no cost. It's completely free, what's known as open source software. So now that you have more information on how to make black and white images, you can get out there and make some truly great ones. Now, if you're interested in checking out any of the software that I recommend for editing your photos, you can check out Luminar AI. You'll find the links for all of this software in the show notes. Uh, Capture One Pro, the current version is 22. 
The Nick Collection by DxO, Adobe Photoshop and Lightroom Photography Plan as well. And then of course, the link to the GIMP photo editor. That's totally free and open source. So there you have it, black and white photography. As I said, switching to all Fujifilm cameras, I absolutely love the, the fact that if I absolutely needed to, I could shoot JPEG and use Acris or Monochrome and always get stunning black and white photography using the same recipes that Fuji used for their film stock, for 35 millimeter film stock back in the day. So I can do all of that right in camera. Now, as I said, I still tend to always shoot raw. And that's only because if I shoot an image in raw, then in Capture One, I can look at applying Acros. I can preview it with Acros or I can preview it with Monochrome and see which of the two I like best for a particular image. Where if I shoot JPEG only and I choose the film simulation before I start shooting, that film simulation is baked in. I can't change it at that point. So that's why I shoot the way I do. Now, there are a lot of Fuji photographers that choose to shoot straight out of camera JPEG. They pick one particular film simulation. They stick with that all the time. Dan Bailey, as he mentioned when he was on the show, he sticks with Velvia most of the time. And I do as well for my color photography. But I bounce back and forth. Like I said, it depends on the image itself, whether I go with Acris or Monochrome for my black and white. So again, that's why I stick with shooting in RAW and then post-process in Capture One. So hopefully this episode will shed a little bit more light on the subject of black and white photography for you, pique your curiosity, get you interested in doing or at least trying black and white photography. As I said, certain genres tend to lend themselves better to black and white photography. Landscapes, although landscapes are great in color as well, I do really love landscapes with lots of contrast, lots of punch to them, like Ansel Adams did when he shot his landscapes of Yosemite and various other locations around the United States. Street photography is a great time for black and white. Most street photographers shoot in black and white, but there are quite a few that shoot in color as well. But the majority of them shoot black and white like I do, just because it creates a more documentary or photo photojournalism style um, aesthetic to the images, if you will. All right. I know this is kind of a short episode. It's only about 15 minutes long, but that is going to wrap up episode 235. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group, and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you're in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, that's going to wrap up this episode. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing an Apple Podcast, Google Podcasts, Spotify, 
and anywhere else you might be getting your podcasts. I also wanted to remind you to stop by and check out the Land Photography YouTube channel. Subscribe to the channel, watch the videos, like them, comment on them, share them out on social media. Hit the little bell icon so you can be notified as new content drops. And I will see you all again on Thursday for the latest news and rumors.